Hey dreamers, welcome to another episode of the Money Matters Podcast. In today's episode, we're holding caution tightly and refusing to throw it to the wind as we unpack everything you need to know about insurance, from why it's important to how it works, what to choose, and the various insurance covers you can apply for from your home to your pet, car, or even travel. Joining us today is General Manager of Logan Insurance Brokers, Monique Logan. Monique works in a world of what ifs and accidents every day. So we will all be in safer hands for today's episode. Welcome, Monique. Before we get started, this week's win of the week goes to Shari. Shari just successfully saved up for a new laptop by offering online tutoring to school students throughout COVID. Such a great idea. We love celebrating you on your big and small wins throughout your journey. So be sure to submit your money wins on the forum for your chance to be featured and to win extra points in the Dreamers Hub. Monique, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Insurance is one of those words that can often or sometimes put people to sleep. Um, so before we dive in into the logistics of your industry, I'm really curious to know what made you get involved in insurance and what are your current responsibilities as general manager of Logan Insurance Brokers? Well, thank you, Maddie. Firstly, can I just say I'm so honoured to be here. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this. And I have been a listener of your podcasts, so I'm really, really impressed with what you do. Yeah, for me, I, like a lot of people, and I think that your audience will find this as as the years go by, I kind of fell into it. You know, I didn't, didn't plan on insurance as my career. Certainly was not what I envisaged at university. So I did study law at uni and ended up falling into advertising. So go figure, no real connection. <laughs> and um, and from there, I just did a lot of business management over the years. So about 15 years ago, I joined the family business, which is insurance broking. And, and here I am 15 years later, general manager. And look, to answer your question about what I do, I kind of have a joke about my title, general manager. It really means I do generally just about everything. And um, that's um, partly joke and partly truth. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, small business, we really get hands-on in in everything and everything from insurance broking. I'm heavily involved in the claims management and um, HR. So we handle the staff issues. I do all the accounting, all the financing, all the auditing. Uh, Yeah, pretty much everything. That's really interesting. I actually um, am doing a course in advertising at the moment. So who knows, maybe one day I'll also end up (laughs) in insurance. Insurance. (laughs) You never know. You never know. You've obviously come a long way in your professional career. And I know a lot of young people, myself included, don't think about insurance as the first point of call when we make a big investment or decide to travel. What was your relationship with insurance like when you were younger? Was it something you were taught or was it something that I guess you happened to learn about because of the family business? How did you know you needed to get some protection? I think it was, look, I think it was a bit of both. And I'm sure that we all learn by trial and error. Um, when you're young, you know, and your finances are limited, then you make choices about where you spend your money. And sometimes those choices are, you know, not always on the side of perhaps caution, which is really where insurance falls into. Definitely made mistakes when I was in my 20s. I know we'll touch on this later on, but travel insurance is probably one that I've skipped on in the past and regretted. And um, 
But in terms of influence, my family, so with my when I grew up, um, that wasn't insurance wasn't our background. I've actually married into an insurance family. So the insurances that we were brought up with as an absolute must have were the basics, you know, like the house insurance and the car insurance. Probably not a lot other than that. And I think that's quite typical of generations gone by that we looked at those basics, but didn't perhaps look at the wider risks that you can protect. So that's really my background. And I've learned a lot more over just the course of my adulthood. And then again, as I've joined this family business, learned a lot more again. So for those listening who haven't taken out insurance before or do have it but don't necessarily understand the depths of it, which I'm definitely one of those people, can you explain to us what insurance is, why we should care, and what are the key insurance covers that we should all have in our lives? Sure. At a very, very broad level, insurance means a protection against financial loss. Okay. So if you have an asset that you would be devastated financially if you lost. You really should seriously consider insuring it. If you also own something that can cause harm to another person, then you must consider insurance. And the really obvious one for that one is your car. Even car insurance is not well understood by a lot of people. 50% of surveyed 15 to 25-year-olds don't really understand what third-party personal insurance is and don't feel bad about it because 25% of over 55s don't understand it. So there is a real lack of understanding of some of those fundamental insurances and it is probably the most important. So if you don't mind, I might actually talk to you a little bit about the car insurance. Yes, please. It's probably one that many, many in your audience will, if not now, they will certainly need at some point. So when you get your car registered, you are required to have what is called third-party personal insurance. Now, that protects you against claims made by a third party or another person. That can be a passenger in your car, it could be a pedestrian outside your car, or it could be a person in another car that you, where you are negligent and cause an accident it's not possible to have your registration without that insurance. So it is actually compulsory. And because it's compulsory, people do fall into the mistake of thinking it covers them for damage to other property and it does not. So it is only covering injury to another person. For that reason, even though it is not compulsory to have what's called third-party property, As an insurance broker and as a parent and as anyone advising anyone who drives a car, you must have third-party property and that is an extra cost on top of your registration and that will cover you in the event that you cause an accident and cause damage to another vehicle or if you run into an electricity pole and you bring down the wires in the neighbourhood, can you imagine the cost of that if that came back down onto you? <laughs> Anything that you are co- that is your fault and that you cause damage to other property, you will be covered under that insurance policy. I always like to use the, the example, look, imagine if you ran into the back of a Rolls Royce. Okay. You might not care about your car. It might be just some little runaround that your grandmother gave you. But if you ran into another, another, um, uh, very expensive vehicle, you're up for a very big, very big cost. So, um, absolutely vital that you have third party property insurance on top of your registration and compulsory third party private. 
And then of course, if you can stretch it and you really, really value your car and you have scrimped and saved for years working second jobs and you finally got your dream little car or big car or whatever it might be, then you really, really should be covered covered under a comprehensive policy which will cover your car for damage as well. I am trying to think about what insurance cover I have on my car at the moment and I'm pretty sure I have a comprehensive cover, but it is something that I remember um, sitting down with my parents and trying to understand a little bit more about what does it mean and how do you know what limits to put on different things. And um, it is very overwhelming, I guess, when you're putting up or, or buying your first car or buying insurance for the first time and you're not really sure what any of those things mean. And there isn't a huge amount of explanation about that anywhere, I don't think. And I think people, it, it often seems like everyone must know, you know, and, 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 uh, it, it can be awkward or it, it can feel embarrassing to ask questions when you think, gee, I'm, I should know this. But in actual fact, you really should feel comfortable about asking questions at, at every step of the way with insurance because no one knows everything and it can be very confusing. The situation with with comprehensive insurance, if you've got a car that you have, you know, that has got some value to it, that you really would be quite devastated if you destroyed, then you need to have it insured and you must have it insured if you've got any finance on it. So it's very likely that the finance company won't allow you to take out a loan unless they can see proof that you do have it comprehensively insured. Um, so I think you can understand the impact that if you if you destroyed the car and you wrote it off and yet you still had a $30,000 loan on it, you are still obligated to pay that loan. Okay, so it's really important that you're covered for the minimum amount that you uh, that you um, owe on that vehicle. I'm definitely going to check my own insurance <laughs> after after we finish this recording because I want to make sure that I've got the right cover um, on my car. Right. So thank you for You're that. Welcome. Um, what are some of the common mis- misconceptions that young people have when it comes to insurance? So what are some of the things that, that listeners should be aware of? And we've kind of touched on this with making sure that you have the right car insurance. What are some of the other things we need to be aware of? I think one of the most common misunderstandings with insurance is that it's it's designed to cover the unexpected or accidental situation. I mean, there are examples in business insurance where that, that broad definition doesn't apply, but you know, really you, you, you cannot expect insurance to cover the expected things that happen in life. And by that, what I mean is that, um, with home and contents, for example, when you have a storm that damages or that, that, that comes in through your roof and damages the inside of your home, um, frequently what we find is that when the builders go up there onto the roof, they discover that there's been rusty holes in the roof and it's been poorly maintained and the insurer won't cover that because that's considered maintenance. And that's something that, you know, as a homeowner, you're obliged to actually look after yourself. They will, however, cover what they call the result damage. So they will cover the damage that's been caused inside the home because you weren't aware of the holes on the roof. So it's considered accidental. Um, it's a, it's a distinction that really does trip people up and they, you know, many people get quite cross that they have to pay for the repair of their roof, but not the repair on the inside of the home. And, um, whilst the distinction seems, you know, somewhat arbitrary, it does make sense when you really think about it. 
Insurance is designed for the unexpected or accidental. And if you haven't maintained your roof, then that's not considered unexpected. Okay. Oh, I have so many questions. <laughs> if I'm renting, yes. is, it my re- is it my landlord's obligation to look after the roof or am I, as the tenant, meant to jump up onto the roof and check for any holes in the roof, even if I do have contents insurance for the contents that are in my house? That is an excellent question and it's not quite so simple to answer. The very, the very, <laughs> the very brief answer is you are not responsible for that building. You are not responsible for the roof. Um, you are responsible for your contents and your contents are the things that you have actually physically brought into your home. Um, the landlord is responsible and there are, there are, there are two scenarios here. So the first one is that you're renting a home. It's a standalone house. The landlord is responsible for that entire building. So the shell, the roof, the, usually the curtains and the blinds, the things that are considered fixtures and fittings inside the home that you did not bring in. Um, where it gets a little bit more complicated is when you're renting a unit or an apartment and in that instance, your landlord is responsible for the box that you live in, but not the building that the box sits in, okay? So the building <laughs> is actually owned by what's called the strata and the, lo- the, lot, the, lo- the landlord that you have owns a little part of that strata, but he doesn't own or she doesn't own all of it. So there is a body that looks after the common property in a, in a unit. And it's the, um, it's a strata, um, an owner's corporation who is responsible for the maintenance and the upkeep of those parts of the building. And they absolutely have insurance. And if there is damage that's caused to that building, then it's covered by the strata insurance. It's complicated. I hope I haven't made it, I hope I haven't made it confusing for you, but I suppose. No, you've definitely cleared it up. Good. The, the, The short answer is you are only responsible as your, as the tenant to your belongings inside the property. Which is why we should always get contents insurance if we're renting. Correct. Absolutely. The landlord is not responsible for anything that you own. So if there is damage then um, to your contents, the landlord is not responsible. Okay. So let's talk about something that most people and especially most young people will do at some point in their life, and that's travel. Obviously, accidents can happen everywhere, but especially when you're in a new place, when you're finding your feet, when you're moving around a lot. When should we apply for travel insurance? What kinds of considerations do we need to take um, when we're traveling to make sure that no matter where we are in the world or when we return home, that we are completely protected? Okay. Um, so travel insurance, in my, in my view, is absolutely fundamentally important. You do not step outside of this country without travel insurance. And the main reason for that is not because of your expensive luggage or your camera equipment or any of the things that you're taking with you. The main reason is because you will not be covered for your medical expenses if something happens on an overseas holiday unless you have travel insurance. And those costs can be, I think as everyone pretty much understands, can be astronomical and uh, and in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you're required to be um, evacuated in an emergency 
um, the, the costs there would be something that you would struggle to ever recover from. So it is fundamental that when you travel, you have travel insurance that as a bare minimum covers your medical expenses. When you take it out, you take it out basically from the time that you've made a payment. So when you make your first deposit, that should be the start date of your travel policy. And then the finish date should be when you return to the country. Um, so return to back to Australia. And by the way, I am talking here about travel internationally. Um, travel, you, there, there are domestic policies, but I think at, at, with the age group that we're talking here, it's probably not necessary. And because we have got such an incredibly awesome healthcare system in this country, you're covered in any case for health, um, for medical um, expenses. So really um, travel insurance at this point in life is probably only really important for international travel. So a number of years ago, I was traveling through America and I started to feel a bit sick and luckily it was just tonsillitis, but I did have to go and make a doctor's appointment in America and get some antibiotics while I was there. And I did notice how expensive it was, but also I guess it was a bit more difficult for me to know how to then claim that back on my travel insurance and know what receipts and what evidence I needed and things like that. So how do we know once we've taken out travel insurance how do we then know what to do next if something does go wrong and how we then claim on that? It probably depends a little on the incident that that you're referring to. So if something really, really dramatic had happened and you were, for example, unconscious and were receiving medical care, there's not much you can do at that particular moment. But in the instance where you've got something like tonsillitis, it's not a bad idea to contact your insurer either online or through a phone number. And most of them will provide you with that information when you take out your policy. It's not required. You don't have to actually place the claim until you get back home. And normally it's done via Via online portals and it's a pretty straightforward process, but they will require documentation showing everything. All of the expenses that you've you've spent, um, any reports from the doctors, anything that you can show that validates um, the reason for you claiming the money. They'll also actually request copies of your flight itinerary to prove that you were there, to prove that you actually were traveling during the time of the policy. The documentation they request is quite extensive, but it's also pretty clearly listed in the claims process. Okay. So keep copies of everything, Everything. basically. Everything. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, great. So a lot of our a lot of our young carers and our families, in particular my family growing up as well, we always had health private health insurance. It was just something that we did based on a lot of medical costs and things like that in my family growing up. But a lot of my friends, I guess, don't necessarily have private health insurance if they haven't grown up as a carer or they don't understand why they need it if we have access to Medicare. So what is the benefit of private health insurance? When do you need it? When do you not need it? When can you kind of rely on Medicare? What What is the deal with private health? Wow, that's a really hard question to answer. Look, as general insurers, we don't provide private health insurance to um, to clients. It's a different area. But I can talk to you on a personal level about that because um, I do have private health insurance um, and I did not when I was in my early 20s, um, we do have a very, very good medical system. And 
you know, if you need medical care, generally speaking, you will be able to get it. Um, but when you come from a um, situation where you know that you are going to have specific requirements for additional medical assistance or medical, um, that you, you know you're going to access the medical care system at some point, um, it, it is a good thing to have that private health insurance. It gives you options. It gives you um, peace of mind. It does mean that you can access that health system oftentimes quite a lot quicker than you would do if you were <clears throat> waiting for the normal, um, just waiting for available surgery, basically. So it does give you a little bit of a head start. Um, if it comes to what am I going to spend my money on? I've only got a bucket this big. What am I going to, you know, what am I going to actually use out of the funds that I've got? That's a really hard one. I think you have to just look at your budget and look at your priorities and um, and just work out which is which is going to be that that priority for you. Yeah, it's it's crazy interesting. And and from a little dreamer's perspective, we also have business insurance, and and I've had to learn all about that, which is a whole nother kettle of fish, I guess. And if, if we could talk for hours, I would ask you all the, the questions around what is business insurance can, and what is public liability we can, insurance? We can do a whole session on that. I'm absolutely, I'd be thrilled to do it. It's definitely a, um, it's a completely separate area again, but vitally important. Um, and I dare say many of your listeners will also be starting up business ventures of their own. And even if it's second things that they're doing outside of their normal work, well, there are definitely insurance considerations there as well. Well, that's a great segue because coming up in episode 12, in our last episode of the series, we're talking all about starting your own business. So I'll be sure to make sure that we cover um, business insurance and, and all of the things that come along with that. Thanks so much for joining us today, Monique. I feel like I need to go back and listen to everything again and actually check through my own insurance documentation and make sure that I'm keeping records of everything. If anyone wants any more information on any of the topics we've discussed today or anything else about insurance, where can they follow or connect with you? I can be found on the normal social links. So via LinkedIn, if you look up Monique Logan, um, also through our website, the wsloganinsurance.com.au. And um, look, if any of your listeners do have specific um, queries or questions, uh, please ask them to reach out and um, we will certainly have a look at what help we can offer in that regard. Thank you so much for having me. Now it's time for Dreamer Diaries. Each week, we'll follow the adventures of two young carers, James and Julie, on their journey to owning their finances. James and his brother are going on an overseas holiday for two weeks to Japan. It's their first time to Japan, and they're really excited to visit the slopes and eat everything on offer. Unsure if they should purchase some ski gear or rent it while there, James decides to visit the Ski Lodge website and comes across their insurance policy. James discovers that in the event of an injury or accident, the ski lodge cannot take care of them in their facility unless they are insured. James goes into shock. He completely forgot about travel insurance, assuming that if something happened, he and his brother would be taken care of. James hops online and searches for travel insurance companies, reading a range of policies and what they cover. James decides to give the insurers a call to double-check if in the event of a ski accident, both he and his brother will be cared for. After discovering that they will, James decides to move ahead and finish the claim. 
purchasing his insurance from the date his plane takes off until the date he returns. Julie returns home one day to find the door ajar. Confused, Julie enters cautiously to discover that her apartment is in disarray. Cupboards have been left open and clothes scattered everywhere. Thankfully, no one is home. Julie immediately calls the police. Upon arrival, the police notice Julie's lock has been tampered with. It was clear Julie closed her front door and someone purposely broke in, but now they have evidence of it. Julie works with the police to identify what items have been stolen, noting the intruder was occupied with collecting larger assets like her TV, laptop and blender rather than any of her jewellery or clothes. With the police report in hand and a list of stolen items, Julie calls her insurance company and together they lodge her claim online. Because she has the police report, the insurance company can cover her for all the damage and stolen goods because it's clear Julie didn't just forget to lock the door, someone purposely broke in. Rattled but relieved, Julie takes a deep breath knowing her goods will be replaced and her home is now safe. That's it for this episode. This week, I challenge you to read up on insurance for something you own, whether it's a car, a laptop, or even a rental property, to see what's out there and how you can be protected. Remember, you can share your progress with us on the forum on the Dreamers Hub. Bye for now.